Hi, thanks for tuning in to join me, Kofi, on the Ride for Unity podcast. In this episode, recorded on the 21st of August, I got to talk to the man, the legend, who is Chris Hall, um, literally about a week before he set off on his 107 TDF challenge, which raised a phenomenal amount of money for the Pace Centre. Well, enough from me. I hope you enjoy the episode. Hey man, how you doing? I'm very good, I'm very good. Do you see me alright? You, you look like you're really tall. I am, I'm a giant. I'm on, I'm on vacation, so it's made me grow taller. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, awesome. But can, can you see my whole head? Because I've, I've had to work an angle, I'm, I'm, I'm not in my usual setting, so... How typical is that? I just had someone try and call me, and I just hug it up. You're a man in demand. But can you see my head, my big head? Is it in the frame? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, good, I can see. That Tash is looking strong, Chris. I, so, I had a beard this morning, but it was quite right. substantial. And um, have you uh-huh. done the thing when you sit there and you start shaving and you just, like, do different facial styles? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was doing. So I started off, I ended up doing, like, mutton chops, and then I just did the handlebar. And I Tom did, like, stuff. Went like, this as well. And then I was, yeah. <laughs> Uh, man that's amazing for you it sounds like you did it on purpose normally mine happens where i'll just slightly go wrong and i'll be like i can try and fix it and then i won't fix it and then i'll just just go all clean that's how it happens for me yeah i i I always seem to stop at the tash i find i've got to yeah i like having a tash i think it's quite fun that's it that is it it's it's a bit tom selleck so i'm trying as well it's coming along but not quite there yet Good. So it looks like we've got a few people popping into the chat. So I see Dan. Hi, Dan. Good to see you in there. Welcome. Thanks for joining. Um, Doug from over in the, I think, let me get this right, in the west coast of the US, he's on there as well. I think I saw Atticus in the house too. Um, and Yuri. So I think we're, we're on the time. So should we start, Chris? Because we've got a lot to cover, a lot of good stuff to cover because you've been a busy, busy, busy man. Yeah. I've you've been, been a busy man. <laughs> Um, so what, what I do is maybe I do a quick introduction of myself and, and what Rife for Unity is about, and then I'll hand over to you if that's all right. Mm-hmm. Grand. And then what I did want to say as well, if it's all right with you, I love to make this sort of thing interactive. So if that uh, jam cycling in the house, hello, jam cycling. Um, if anyone's got encouragement they want to send, I think you can press something to send love. We'll, we'll get that, we'll receive it. But if you've got any questions that you want to ask uh, Chris or myself, please do ask because the whole idea of this is connecting, you know, amazing people like Chris to the wider audience. So if you've got questions, things you want to know, tips, etc., jump in there. But um, yeah, welcome everybody. So so for those of you that haven't heard me speak before or haven't tuned into Ride for Unity before, my name is Kofi. Um, I'm the founder of Ride for Unity. Um, and the premise of Ride for Unity is is effectively a global cycling network. And it, it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter where you are. Uh, together we ride, together we love bikes. Um, and by doing this cycling chat series, it's really to extend that idea and that principle by bringing you the stories of a wide range of cyclists, um, from the recreational to the super enduro to the races and everything in between so that hopefully through hearing their stories and their journeys in cycling you might get inspired to do a little bit more cycling or just jump on the bike for the first time because after all if, if Chris can do it I'm not saying you jump to Chris's level straight away but if Chris can do it um if Biola can do it if Abby can do it if Rory Townsend can do it then you know why can't why can't anybody else so without much ado I'd like to hand you over to my guest today who is I, I guess 
the dictionary definition of inspiration. I'm going to say that. Oh, um, no. And also, yeah, no, you are. I'm going to pick it up. I'm going to, you've not much to live up to. And also, I, I think, Chris, I'd say you're the ultimate proponent of the art of the possible because um, the things that you do, I would say are impossible, but it's possible. And also, I'd add, last but not least, one of the nicest, nicest guys on the circuit, like a true gentleman, always makes time for people. Great guys. So, Chris, um, thank you very much for joining. And over to you, if you wouldn't mind giving us a bio of, of who you are and I guess your involvement in the sport of cycling right now, then we'll dive into some questions um, a bit later on. So it's really lucky that the light I have in my flat makes me already look red because I'm really blushing. Ah, <laughs> come on, now. come on now. You're a great guy. It's all uh, good. Uh, how can I talk about me? Uh, I wouldn't necessarily say I was always a cyclist. But I wasn't. Mm -hmm. uh, my background originally is architecture. Uh, mm -hmm. I worked in architecture for about seven or eight years uh, and then started riding um, when I was at uni, basically because it was the cheapest and easiest mode of transport to get to and from uni. Because um, mm -hmm. I was a student and I was skint like any other student. Um, or and so I just use it as my way to get to and from. I had like a really shitty old like specialized which I bought for like three hundred quid and it was falling apart okay. and it was red and I don't like the colour red. So it didn't stay with really But needs must. Uh, needs must, needs must. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And it was two sizes too big for me as well. Um and then uh I guess like I started taking cycling a bit more seriously when uh I started like riding with this club called Ripcore, which is a club based out in like west of London. Um, and they were like the first kind of introduction that I had to a charity, which I now do like, to work with, which is called Pace Centre. Um, my connection to Pace is through that club. And also I've now got some really good friends who have kids that uh, go to Pace, which is a school for kids with motivated disorders, so things like cerebral palsy. Right. And... Progressively, I started cycling a bit more and a bit more, and then I like for wanted to do something to fundraise for pace. So I started off by riding around Richmond Park for twenty four hours, which is not fun. Uh, no. And especially, uh, it's actually a lot more hilly than you'd think over twenty four hours. Uh, yeah, did it, did it recently? And I think I only managed three laps. So I don't know how you've done it twenty twenty four hours. How many times around is that? Uh, that's crazy yeah, too, many. too many too many probably lost back of the time yeah i mean this is going yeah. back oh god a fair few years ago now and uh, mm. so i did that and made some made some money for pace and then uh quite quickly after that the next kind of thing i did was i rode 107 kilometers every day for 107 days while juggling work normal life and i did it through the winter which was also a really bad decision but I think actually in hindsight kind of added to the like drama of it all. Um, yeah. But that I still stand by as that's the hardest thing I've ever done with the bike. Mm -hmm. It wasn't that the distance is massive. It wasn't that, um, you know, but it's the fact that it was uh, consecutive riding every single day for three and a half months with no break. And 107 days every day. Yeah, yeah. So I started okay. it on the... Um, it was like the 14th of December, which was a couple of days before my birthday. Bad idea. Um, but I, I, I intentionally started it then because I wanted to finish. I wanted the last day to be in Belgium because I wanted to go out and watch the Flanders race, basically. And nice. um, 
that that was hard that was really really hard but because it was over such a long period of time i think a lot of people kind of heard about it and got involved with it and um i guess that's probably how i ended up being kind of known as a guy that rides like long distance on a bike even though it wasn't a long right. distance it was just it was consecutive days um, yeah and then uh yeah finished that in uh whatever three and a half months later was april and um that ended up making um, a lot of money for Pace that allowed them to open up a secondary site. So the reason for that 107 number is that they look after 107 kids. That's a really like poignant number to the, the charity. And the reason why it's 107 is that they physically can't, uh, they don't have the space for anymore, but also they don't have, because uh, it's very staff heavy, having... Uh, yeah looking after kids with things like cerebral palsy, you bear in mind that much, if a class is 10 kids and that class of 10 kids, you might have 12 t members of staff looking after those kids. That's quite full on. Um, so anyway, this uh, that that challenge helped them open a secondary site, which um, okay. is a site which is focused on newborns uh, to like preschool age. Um, right. And the idea of that site is to start to diagnose and understand the potentials of children who might have motor-based disorders at a young age and to work out mm -hmm. the severity of their condition and if there's a way of supporting or changing or adapting or helping the family in any way uh, to look after that kid better. It's an amazing yeah. centre. It's really incredible. And it, it's very good. Yeah. I can't everything I do. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, so I want to build on that because I think definitely we're going to talk about... Um, what hashtag 107 TDF? We're going to talk about that a bit. So I mean, that's that's given us some of the journey. But as ever, whenever anyone comes on here, they always miss out some bits and pieces. So there's some stuff that I did want to talk about. 24-hour TTs that you do, but also, is it true that you did some cycle ride, like in Australia, but like not just in Australia, maybe across Australia? Is that is that? Can you confirm or deny? Is there evidence that we could find on the internet that said you did this craziness? Uh, we were a road from. Perth to Melbourne, which is four, okay. which is just short of four thousand kilometers. Um, okay, as you do, as one does. It sounds, it, which I mean, when you think, oh, Perth to Melbourne, that doesn't sound that far, but that is far. If you look at it in a straight line, it's far. Like, yeah, yeah. it's boring because <laughs> it's <just laughs> so straight and so flat. Um, yeah, I did that with one of my mates last year. Uh, last this time last year, in fact, um, incredible, and uh, it was it was hard. It was a lot harder than I thought we thought it would be, actually, because it wasn't just the nature of um, you know the roads are so straight. Like there's the longest straightest road in the southern hemisphere is Australia, and it's 150 kilometers long, and it is dead straight, and, sl and it it looks like it's slightly uphill, but it's it's not. Um, but it looks it because you're like your mind can't really understand the like the length of it it's really hard to explain um, and there's a massive sign at the one end of it that says longest straightest road and you just go up to it and you're like it <laughs> right and how long are you on that stretch of road for say how long are you on that for uh that's like a day on that road oh my god just on one road one yeah. straight road but you bear Crazy. in mind that when you're riding across australia there's basically one uh major road which is called the air highway e y r e okay. the air highway yeah. and that road is 
you pretty much are on that road from pretty much from uh, Perth to Adelaide. It's one road. That's incredible. So this this is some stuff that you've done. I mean, I love it because I think the way that you've kind of we've introduced it, you've given us a bit of a flavour and a background of some of the the impossible things to 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 you know, relative human like myself that, that you've done 107 kilometers a day for like three and a half months, mind blowing, riding across Australia, mind blowing even more. Where are you now in terms of your involvement in cycling? Because last time we spoke, I really couldn't keep up. Like I counted like you had like, I think four jobs, maybe, maybe five, but I wasn't hundred percent sure. So right now, as it sits today, how many different plates are you spinning in true circus fashion in terms of how you spend your time and what your involvement is in cycling right now? Uh, I'm probably spinning more plates than I need to right now. Uh, right. But I'm trying to, because obviously this next challenge kicks off next, well, a week and one day uh, okay. kicks off. So I'm kind of like de-spin as much as I can right now. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, my, you know, I still work a bit in design. I still do my podcast. Um, I still have my own design company as well. Uh, yeah. Kind of like it's all the zero lemon stuff. Yeah, it's the zero lemon stuff. Yeah. I like. Yeah. I have put it out there today. Is like if you if anyone wants any of this stuff, I can't. I can't post it while I'm not here because fair enough. Um, fair enough. But yeah, like I kind of. I'm probably spinning I don't know, three or four plates at the moment, plus like trying to get the bike all dialed in for this next mm-hmm. challenge. And um, today's been a day of sort of doing. Uh, ironically, it's been a day of doing interviews, which is uh, quite. Oh, cool. really? Yeah, yeah. I've done. I think this is the third one today, which is kind of funny. Oh wow. Okay. Well, look, hopefully you're not all talked out. You save. You save some juice. You oh, save mate, some like juice. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't say it, but we can both count him, and probably people want to have some tea. So I'll keep it moving. But I was going to sell the zero lemon because I've only recently got into that because it sounded like it started this year. Is that is that right? From what I saw on Spotify. Yeah, the podcast I started in uh, I think March this year. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I started the podcast because I've always wanted to do a podcast. First of all, mm-hmm. um, and. I've been having an iron about it for like a year or so, and I, like, I knew exactly how to do it, I knew how to set it up, and I just hadn't bit the bullet and done it. Um, yeah. I knew what the structure was going to be, I knew what it was going to be about, I knew everything I wanted to do. And then, um, ironically, uh, I was out in uh, in Calpe, I'd, I'd just come back in, from Morocco and doing the Atlas Mountain Morocco, and uh, that was that was an incredible experience in its own right. That was that was hard. Um, and I come back and I got to Calpe with a couple of friends. Uh, kind of was like a bit of a chill out and sort of reassessing. And we were there when sort of COVID kind of kicked off in Spain and the lockdown came into Spain. Oh my goodness! The last three days I think that we were there we all had to book like uh, a flight home. the last three days we were locked into our, into our Airbnb we weren't allowed to so um, I decided to start recording a podcast because I was there with interesting people um, and I think it's what 27 maybe episodes now or 30 yeah um, yeah no, good stuff I mean if, if anyone here hasn't tuned into it I caught the one where Emily um, from Emily Charles from Attica so I think is on here as well she you flipped around so she interviewed you talking about 107 TDF um, yeah. and there was one with is it Red is the chap's name Red Red Waters I want to say 
Chris, that is fantastic advice, really. And I think for everyone probably tuned in wherever you are in the world, it resonates right now and, and, and a good coping mechanism, isn't it? I guess because I guess we've had so much go on with the pandemic, with, you know, the protests and the right, like everything that's happened. Like if you're able to regulate your mental state in that way, and I guess you cycling as that vehicle, then it helps. I've got Doug here who, um, as it says on the, the West Coast of America, he's just said, wow, truly amazing to overcome the obstacles that you had. I didn't, I didn't know about the cancer bit. I know we talked about the sort of depression piece, which is, which is big. Um, was it just a quick hello to, I've seen Cara's join. Um, Johnny, I think Johnny VZ, hello to you. Thanks for tuning in. I think I saw Nicole, Nicole Allen in there as well. So thanks everyone for tuning in and I um, hope you're enjoying it as much as I, as much as I have, because I'm on vacation. If I didn't say it before, I'm saying it again. Thank you for, for all joining me. Um, Very young so, so currently, this is not my usual setting. So I'm currently in a fisherman's cottage on the coast or Thames Estuary, Leon Sea. Oh yeah. Who yeah, knew? Nice, nice. You, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, we booked this a week ago because basically there was nowhere else in the planet that we could go that was local that had water nearby and it's been blitz it's been brilliant so oh, i am um, yeah a good segue actually i should say and it's happened before like last week my kids just came in boom live they were just like good night dad so it might happen if they do they might they might just want to meet chris and and, and we'll, we'll work with that because that's what happened but um chris i think it'd be lovely just to touch a bit upon what you're doing because I think when we last spoke, this 107 TDF thing, I don't remember that being a plan. So when did that happen? What is it about? Because some people may not have tuned into the channel to see what you're up to, but it's a whole heap of yeah, yeah stuff of it, ways I see it. But if, could you explain it to people as to what the heck you're doing on the 29th of August and, and why? It always, so it's been a plan in my head for about three months. Maybe right. longer, maybe longer. In fact, definitely longer. But it's been a plan that's kind of been a bit more finalised over the last month or so. So <clears> the original, so for me, as I said earlier, like the pace centre and the number 107 are very significant things. Um, so this year would, if it still happens, and I, I think it will, will be the 107th Tour de France. So my initial plan, as of years ago, was to basically ride the route non-stop. So that would have been riding the day, the day before the pros start, riding the whole route, including the transfers. And it worked out, it would have been like 4,300 kilometres, I think it was. I planned the whole thing, planned the whole route. Um, wow. And then I, I made a decision a few months back that I didn't feel comfortable with the idea of travelling to problems and doing this because of the current situation we're in. Um, and I just thought it was I think one it might look bad on me but also two I thought it's not the right time to really be travelling even though France is you know not really that far away it's still a travel yeah. it's still a journey and, yeah. and I feel much more comfortable with doing something staying in the UK and at a point when we can actually travel around in the UK and especially by bike when you're really doing very little impact on on the world and the climate as long yeah. as you careful yourself there's a lot that you can do and the uk is pretty big so what the plan was was basically for the duration of the 107th tour de france the rescheduled dates as of the 29th of this month so next saturday i'm basically riding 107 miles every day that the tour is riding so the difference is that the 
you know, it's a, it says the 29th until the 20th. And what I'm doing is I'm leaving my flat at like seven o'clock in the morning on the 29th and then heading towards Land's End. And then from Land's End, I'm going up towards John O'Groats. And then from John O'Groats, I start coming back towards London. But then because of where London is, it's too right. close because of the distance. So I then I'm turning towards the East Coast towards Lowcroft, okay. which is the most easterly point of the UK, and then cutting back into London. So by doing that, yeah. you're picking off the most southern point, the most western point, the most northern point, and the most eastern point. And it looks like a really cool triangle. And I'm basically following kind of a structure that the tour does. So the tour has two rest days this year. I'm taking right. two rest days, the same days as the okay. tour. The tour has one time trial stage. Which, is that, which actually is the second to last day, which I'll be honest, for me at that point, is pointless because I'll be napping. I don't need a rest day the day before the day I'm going to finish. So what I've done is I've, uh, for my own kind of like part of my mental well-being, because I, I kind of understand this, uh, is I've strategically put in an additional rest day when I'm near where some of my family are so I can mm -hmm. spend the day with them because I haven't seen it before. Oh, so, That's wonderful. Um, so effectively, what it equates to is 107 miles or more, because it has to be a bit more on some days because of having to like get to places to stay. Um, and then, yeah, over the equivalent of the Tour de France, and the same thing, this is to fundraise uh, for the Pace Centre, because not just Pace, all charities at the moment with the current climate we're in are really struggling. Um, yeah, I can imagine you just think about it if you actually think about it like think all of the events that people would fundraise for charities like ride 100 the london marathon etc 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 cancelled and then massive cool. fundraising events for charities it doesn't matter yeah, what the charity is true um, like the british heart foundation one as well you know the brighton ride in june that's always um, well attended that's thousands of people paying entrance fee and raising money so you know i get that so no awesome Awesome that you do that. And I just I, I just want to check, I heard this correctly. You get 107 miles, not kilometres, miles a day. That's what you're doing. Every mile. It's miles every single day. So, um, just, yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot. Because I've, what I've been loving, actually, is I, I think the last few days, I'm on holiday with the family, so I haven't been on Instagram. Honestly, no one's seen me. I haven't been on it. But on the last few days, someone, Pigeon or something has showed me some pictures of you getting ready. Your bike is looking absolutely sweet. Um, there's some sort of weird pannier tail thing that you've got on with some top tube bags and some bags. And it, it's a sexy road machine with 50 mil wheels. I've seen it's a velo thing, but you've turned it into like a proper pack horse. And I'm just surprised like how, how that stuff is. So are you basically going to be supporting yourself and traveling with everything? Or do you have a support vehicle? Like what's happening? So I am doing it self-supported. Um, so, yeah, you, as you said, there's a tail fin on the rear of the bike. Uh, tail fin, okay. Tail fin, which the UK based, based in Bristol. Okay. It's a carbon, uh, like, structure that's like a pannier. And then you have right. uh, the basically, like, what's like a traditional, like, bike packing saddle pack attached to the pannier. Oh, mm. It's so fucking good. And the reason why it's so good... Excuse me for swearing, but it is so right. because it doesn't sway. So these rear packs, because you load them right up, they sway and it changes how the bike feels. Uh -huh. I've used the tail fin for the Atlas Mountain Race. I used it riding across Australia and it's just, stay still. 
It doesn't move. It's so so good. Tried and tested. Yeah, yeah, and I know quite a few. It's not the cheapest kind of option out there, but I, you know, I've been no. this bike for twenty days. I'm quite content with it being sturdy. Um, Brilliant. Yeah, as you said, fifty mil carbon rims, and that that is uh, mainly like an aero gain more than anything. Whatever. It's because it looks sexy. That's why it doesn't. <laughs> don't lie. Don't lie to me. Come on. It doesn't matter. Um, it's for aero benefit. Yeah, and then clip-on bars on the front. I've got a, a black uh, like okay. frame bag and a little uh, a little food bag as well on the front. Um, yeah. Lights, reflectors, and the big thing about it is like it's a Sonello R three, which um, is kind of like to explain the R three in Sonello's range is the um, the uh, you have the R five and the R three in the R range. So the R range is like. Uh, I guess like their sort of all-road kind of range. Uh, right. The R3 is basically slightly less aggressive than an R5, and it's also a bit more comfortable. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's why I'm using an R3. Uh, some web and Dimension Data use them for Roubaix, so they use it for Roubaix. It's good enough for me. It's good enough for them. It's good enough for you. Awesome. Exactly. I want to jump into jump in some of the comments. So I've got uh, Dan Hawkins, actually a good friend of mine over in Boston, Massachusetts. He just said something along the lines of really inspiring. How can he get involved in supporting the Pace Centre? Um, do you want to just give a quick shout out to where they can, people can donate? I know where it is, but just so that people know, how, how can they donate? If you go to the, the link in my bio on my account, uh, that basically that will take you to a page which talks about the whole challenge. It's got a live mm-hmm. tracker on it, has all the routes on it. The live tracker obviously isn't live, but the live, the actual tracker is there. So that's going to oh, be brilliant. carried with me so you can follow me on the route. Um, Extra the the link is chrisalrives.com forward slash 107 tdf i think <laughs> but the link's in my bio um there's a big button if you if you want to and you and also if you can support pace because like understand that we're in a weird situation if people can support them uh financially that's incredible thank you it's greatly appreciated but any kind of ex- basically to be perfectly honest for me the key is exposure and understanding that Paces, a charity which does amazing work in in the UK. There's many other charities worldwide who are in a very similar situation, which are also struggling. So yeah. if you can't support Pace, and you have another charity you really love. Drop them a donation anyway. Like it doesn't have to be Pace. But I really would like people to understand that charities are struggling at a point right now. Yeah, no, I hear you loud and clear on that. And I think just as you touched upon earlier, thinking about all the events that would be their big fundraisers and the restrictions that apply across the world, you know, it, yeah, it's, it's got to be a tough time for that sector as well as many others. So if you can, Pace is the place to be. Um, just going back into the comments, I see uh, Samuel. So Samuel's just um, an amazing guy, actually. Um, I've got to follow him on Instagram and he's been doing a tour of Britain not too dissimilar, but I don't think he's committed to the number. And he's just said that um, it's really inspiring what he's been doing. And it's inspired him to do more. He does some absolutely amazing pictures. Um, so check him out. So thank you, Samuel. And is it, I can't, A-I-O-Y, is that Alloy? Hello, best of luck in 107 TDF. Thank you. Um, and then Matt Shreve has jumped in and said, Aero is everything. I think that's in relation to the to the deep dish wheels, which uh, yeah, we can all attest to. It's Aero gains, even though it's, Chris got this big Telfin bag. The fifty mil is going to make the difference, but tailfin I believe in the it's, it's a what? The, the Telfin bag is aerodynamic. Is it okay? Yeah, seriously. Okay. Um, uh, if you look at 
so Fran- my mate Francis, if, who is yeah. a, if people don't know him, go on to YouTube and search for Francis Cade. Uh, yeah. He went to a wind tunnel and tested the tail fin in a wind tunnel. It's aerodynamic. Okay, all right. Well, I believe you. It didn't look it on the bike, but your bike does look pretty stuff. I was distracted by the wheels and everything else, but that's because it's it's quite high. Yeah, he's actually in the position where like your lower back would be. Uh, Ah, yeah. Okay, so something for the future. That's brilliant. Um, And on the subjects of bikes, so a couple of weeks ago, maybe we had a lady on the show. I don't know if you called it called Sonia, Uh, Sonia. Um, and I'm, I'm going to just call her Sonia Six Bikes because when we talked about her love for cycling and we started to understand what was in her fleet, it soon emerged that she had, if you included the bikes that were in the garage and blah, blah, blah hidden away and all the, she had six bikes. So Sonia Six Bikes is the lady in your fleet, in your stable. Cause I, when I look at your pictures, there are always these different bikes that seem to be popping up from a little gravel number that you've got. And then some others that are different colors. Yeah. How many, how many bikes are currently in your fleet? And no one's going to hear it, so it's, it's all good between us, friends. I'm counting. Uh, <laughs> I've actually sold one. Uh, yeah. I sold my old time trial bike last week to a young guy up in uh, Yorkshire. So okay. I've one down, but I'm currently, currently in my flat at the moment. is one, two, three, four, five, seven in my flat at the moment. Seven, okay. Uh, but then there's... Two, one which is uh, very precious to me, which is being repainted. Uh, okay, nice that one. Yeah. And then there's one, another one, which is I'm repainting uh, to auction off. Or I'm actually going to raffle it for Pace. Uh, okay. That's my job to do when I get back from this this ride. Oh, nice. So that my my maths was never brilliant. People know who went to school with me know that. So I've counted. Is that nine? Yeah, at the moment. There's another one which is lost in the post somewhere. Okay, we'll go with nine. You know, I think what we should do is like a top gear thing where we have a table, everyone that comes on here, like how many bikes do you have? Because if we did that right now, Chris, you're up here, you're like top spot next to the stick, basically. Look, That's I'm incredible. Really, I'm really sentimental about bikes. And I really uh, find it hard to sell them. Uh, you're a bike owner. Yeah, so... I am I am sponsored by Sabello, so I, I pretty much everything I own is a Sabello, apart from two bikes. Uh, right. And those two bikes I can't sell because they're really sentimental. One of them was made for me, and one of them was the bike that I did the 107, 107 challenge mm-hmm. on. So they're the two bikes I really I, I can't I just can't sell them. Um, no. But then that's understood. Every, I've got like uh, yeah, I'm very very lucky to have that relationship with Sabello where I get to ride some awesome, some really awesome bits of bike. Uh, I've seen I've seen some of those photos. So if anyone hasn't, check out some pictures. I think cycling underscore four p. He's, he's just jumped in and said, "Surely sell a bike and buy another." I think this is not how this works. <laughs> this is not how it works. If they're sentimental value, you kind of keep them. Um, oh no, Terry Hampton has said Chris has more bikes than Halfords currently. That is hilarious and probably true. Probably so if you're not from, if you're not from the UK, probably everywhere in the world, bike shops are in um, really short supply of bikes at the moment. So, Chris, if you want to make some money, that's, well, that's why I sold my old TT bike. <laughs> Fair enough. When I, uh, I my old TT bike was the one that I've done uh, two national twenty fours on. Um, yeah, I didn't want to sell it, but uh, to be perfectly honest. Uh, the funds from selling that are helping to fund this 
107 TDF project. Um, and uh, the guy who bought it is a, you know, super, super strong young young time trialist who's really loved it. So I was like, of course you can do that. It's gonna, what I oh, like about that is that bikes being used is going to be raced yeah. used properly. And he's studying uh, he's studying engineering as well. So he's like proper geeking out about it and um, like refining his TT position. So I've been sort of helping him with any advice on that as well. That's fantastic. No, thanks. Thanks for, um, for for sharing that. And also just, you know, putting some positivity because it's probably for football fans, it's the equivalent of maybe having the football shoes of one of your idols, you know, just having a bike and say, Chris rode this bike and it's now mine. Um, hopefully propel him to, to higher levels. So. Yeah, the lot, that um, bike, uh, I don't know whether you'd want that one. No, I, I mean, I've thrown up on that bike. So. Did you tell him this before you sold it to him? Yeah, it's no, it was thrown up on. It's well known. <laughs> National 24, 2019, I threw up all over that bike. My goodness. Well, on, on the subject of, of bikes and, and advice, if you will, I know you've got a relationship with Savannah from following you for, for a little while, but if someone's looking to start out in cycling, you know, nine bikes is a big jump. You know, you can't you can't just get there and just buy lots of different bikes. But if, you, if they were just looking for an entry-level machine to get to, what would you say roughly they'd kind of need to sort of be budgeting in, in sort of GBP terms to, to get started and, and maybe including the kit and the helmet as well? You know? um, I would say, first of all, if, you, if you're going to buy your first bike, buy a gravel bike, because okay. that is one bike that can do everything. You can use it on the road, you can use it off-road, you could use it in the winter. Most gravel bikes now have like fender mounts, so you can put mud guards on it. Mm -hmm. um, my biggest tip... Uh, obviously, bike will come down to how much, you know, you could buy a bike for 200 quid, you could buy a bike for 50 grand. There's anything and everything yeah. in between. But my biggest, my biggest, like, tip would be to um, try and get something with hydraulic disc brakes because, I mean, hydraulic disc brakes are so good. Um, I, think, I don't care about people saying save the rim brake or anything. Disc brakes are so much better. Um, it's the way forward. Right. The confidence in stopping... Um, and I just think they're a lot better. But like budget wise, um, if you can, if you can, like, I mean, you could really, you could probably do it on like 300 quid if you wanted to, you really wanted to. There's some great, great secondhand uh, bargains out there. If you, if you want to spend some time crawling through eBay or uh, yeah. Gumtree or also look, it's worth looking in all the Facebook forums. There's always some good offers in there because okay. people are always looking to buy new bikes. Um, yeah. I mean, but yeah, I would say like if you're going to have one bike to rule them all, go for a gravel bike. Go gravel bike. Okay, that's really great advice. Um, so minimum of three hundred pounds. So if you're out there and you haven't bought a bike yet, you're thinking about buying a bike, then then get that. Um, Caramel spins one hundred five. The new tarmac, the new SL seven. Is this only? It's it's already upon us. Okay, that's that's cool. Um, I had there was a question from someone. I think it was Principal Mark. It's jumped off. He was talking about nutrition, um, and how you fuel yourself for long rides that you do, and um, whether that's proper food, gels. Can we touch upon that a little bit, just to go into yeah. you know what what you eat and 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 how you fuel yourself? Because that's a long time on the bike, and you can burn a hell of a lot of calories, can't you? Yeah, and it takes a lot of practice as well. So I, I've got a very right. good friend who's a nutritionist. Um, his name is Will Gerling. He is on Instagram. He looks like a Viking. Check him out because he's a legend. Um, he uh, is the nutritionist. Like he works with EF and he works with some of the riders from DCC and drop cycling as well, as well as like professional boxers, pro athletes, runners. Like so he's 
no, he really is very intelligent and very switched on in that front. And he's always the guy that comes has come with me every National 24 and how to feel that and kind of to, you know, basically pace your gut and how to sustain <laughs> eating. Um, so the big thing is, like any long distance thing, is it's basically uh, an eating contest. Take out of like, take out of like the amount of carbs and stuff. It's, it's very simple. The amount of food you put in, the further you will go. It's that simple. Think of a fire. A fire goes out if it has no fuel. A car runs out if it doesn't go any further unless it has petrol in it. The same is very very simply the same thing. The biggest criteria to think about though when you're actually riding is is carbohydrates. Um, so for me, I I try to stick to proper foods as opposed to gels and stuff primarily. Okay. Um, that's because I just prefer it. Uh, I just think it's better. Um, and I because so often like gels are very often sweet. Um, so things like uh, saurine, which is sweet, but I love it. Um, roast potatoes are a great option. Sweets like Haribo. You want something that bang for your buck is like the cheapest fuel you can have on a bike uh, for the amount of it you can get. Icing sugar is like the best thing you can get because it's okay. so cheap and you get like a kilo of it for like a quid and like just cut but, it up in blocks. How will you, how, so how are you storing this? Are you storing this on your person, like a roast potato, like full roast yeah, potato yeah. in your back pocket? Sort put of foil around it, put it in your pocket, yeah. And then just as you're yeah, zooming along, it might be... Yeah, yeah. Incredible. I, I might try that. Next time there's a Sunday roast, maybe I keep a few potatoes yeah, yeah, back in there. it's so good. Um, I would say, though, you do, especially for like the 24-hour races, you get to a point where your stomach just can't stomach food anymore. Yeah, um, no, I understand. There's a couple of solutions to it. So one of them, that from my personal experience, is going for citrusy foods because it's like a palate cleanser. So oranges, like citrusy, like flapjacks, that kind of thing. It cleanses your palate and allows you to eat again a bit more. But then, then you get to the point when you just can't eat anymore. And like with gels, I, I always use a brand called Martin. Which is, I've heard uh, of that. Yeah, I think they're Swedish, uh, and I just like them because they're not flavored. So, yeah, that's so good stuff. So actually, a couple of people, a couple of people put me onto this because um, last week we had Christopher Strickland who was on Creed Up from the US, and he was talking about that. And then we had a Swift ride, ride for Unity Swift ride, and Tom Austin, I think one of your pals, he joined, and people were talking about nutrition, and he talked about that as well. So sounds like something I need to get invested in. Can I buy that just from? Or can anyone buy that from just general shops, or is it? They've got their own website or whatever that you can buy. Uh, Martin, stuff Martin they, I think they sell it in Sigma and quite a lot of other uh, stores. But they put it all on their website as well. They do like okay. a, they do like a carb-based uh, liquid or carb-based okay. powder that you put in your bottles. And like you know how everyone like puts like electrolyte shit in their drinks and it tastes like crap. The Martin yes, stuff yes. is unflavored, so it's fun. Like I like that because it's not flavored. Um, okay. And then the gels are like uh, I just grab one. Okay. One somewhere in it. That's what the gels look like. Just like that. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Yeah. And so every they say like one hundred on them because there's a hundred mm -hmm. grams of carbs in that. Fantastic. That's simple. And uh, we got so so Stuart Stuart Bowley jumped in, he said always have a decent lunch before attempting a long climb. Um that's that that is true advice. So Stuart is one of my pals, and we've cycled over the last, I think, three years or so abroad, 
and our cycling is nothing like your cycling so we, we make sure we stop for like three course meals and chillax it and yeah so that's where i think he's probably coming from with that Stuart. so great advice and glad to share that with everyone um, what, brilliant. for me before a long climb i i wouldn't do that because i, I no. feel so rubbish after it well, this is why you cycle with a cape on your back this is why you cycle with a cape on your back and i cycle the way i do because there's, there's differences to the game i reckon there's differences um, making sure we've got a full stomach but i know that yeah. uh, for me personally it's the stopping would be the problem yeah yeah, yeah like, no. you know like how everyone gets cafe legs i seem to get yeah. cafe legs with lead weights attached to them just no you would though i mean 107 miles or whatever craziness that you do you definitely would Great. Well, i want to keep it i want to keep it flowing keep it moving because again we've got some good stuff to still come um a question I've asked everyone is just about most memorable event or time on a bike. And I, I wonder, you've done so many things that we talked about, Atlas Mountains, Australia, there's stuff that's to come. But when you think back to your, your journey on a bike, is there one trip or one race or one ride that you've done in the past that you've kind of, it sticks in your memory and to two to you go, it's the one that you're always going to reflect upon and think fondly of? Yeah, there's probably one or two, actually. Um, one... I think one that I always reference quite a lot was I, so I cycled from my uh, flat in East London to the Lake District. And uh, I did it off road on basically like old train lines, did it on my own, did it like just bike packing. And it was like the first time I'd probably done some sort of bike packing and I really enjoyed it. I made the route up, I used Kamut to plan the route and it was just good fun and uh, had some tunes playing. It was all nice. like old train lines. So much of the ride up is like old train lines. And so they're like, it's sort of compact gravel. So it's really nice to ride. Um, and that, that was pretty special. Um, I mean, Australia, I did it with one of my best mates. So I can't, like, it was just in his own right. It was an unbelievable experience. There's so many highs and lows in that. Um, you know, the sunsets in Australia are insane. Like, they're insane. And on the flip side, the sunsets in Morocco were absolutely crazy. Um, the other thing, probably uh, Kyrgyzstan, that was pretty special. Because um, Kyrgyzstan is somewhere I never thought I would cycle. And then I went and cycled <laughs> there. And it's such a different uh, like change of culture that I didn't really know what to expect. Um, <clears throat> like It took me ages to even understand how to pronounce Kyrgyzstan properly, which is, sounds ridiculous, but... It's, uh, yeah, it was another place that was quite, you know, quite special. Um, I look back at the uh, the second time I did the National 24. Uh, I've done it three times. And the second time is the one that sticks out to me the most. Um, because it was probably the one where I was the least injured. Um, every year I've done it, something's gone wrong just before it. But the second time was the time that it kind of, the least amount of stuff went wrong. Um, that's fantastic. Chris, I mean, we because of the nature of your CV, I think we could be here going through different rides, but it's just, there's a lot of love flowing at the moment. I don't know if you can see it on your side, but we've got some hearts. I don't even know how you press that, but I feel the love. That is incredible. All the different things that you've done. And um, if I move on just a, a touch to what it is about cycling that you like, because clearly, I mean, you, you, you don't have to do these things. It's not your actual full-time job to be on your bike for an insane amount of time. So, when you distill it all down, like what are the things about cycling that I guess resonate with you as a human being and make you want to kind of ride your bike? Um, 
I think for me, uh, I have created some of the best memories I probably ever would have with yeah. people on a bike. It's not necessarily things that I've done on my own. It's the, yeah. the conversations, the things I've seen, the experiences I've had with the people I've had with. And it's with people that I might not have necessarily thought I ever would have them with. Um, obviously, one of the things that is so nice about cycling is, you know, if you compare cycling to being in a car or to walking, so I'm going to say those three things is like three major bits of transport, yeah? So yeah. You, if you're in a car, you can travel a great distance, but you see nothing, yeah? Yeah. If you're, if you're walking, you might not travel so much distance, but you'll see a lot. Cycling yeah. is like the perfect middle point of that. Like you're going, yeah. to speed, but you can still absorb so much, and you can still travel far. Mm, no, I love that. I love that. And I think, like for me, like I'm, I'm no great shapes as a photographer, but anyone that sort of follows me knows that as I do a ride, I always like to be able to stop and observe and absorb the surroundings. And I feel like more connected with what's going on around me than like if I'm in a car zooming along, traveling great distances. So that's that's brilliant. Um, and I think Doug jumped in and said this, especially touring and bikepacking, um, which is which is which is something I've, I've never done. Um, would love to do more of that. I think the the sort of stuff that I've done, the furthest has been like London to Paris, where we stopped at places and had so I didn't have to get tail fin and all that stuff. But in the future, I'm trying to get the kids into it, so maybe convince my wife to jump oh, on it, and we can. Be amazing to do with the kids, honestly. Yeah. Like, I can imagine. I'm building them up slowly, I'm building them up slowly, so that's good. And, you know, with the whole idea behind cycling I, um, and Ride for Unity, my, you know, my idea is to try and inspire other people by hearing your story, hearing other people's story. Like, I hear what you've done, and I think a lot of people will second this because there's loads of thumbs up going on right now. You're, you're doing bits, you're pretty inspirational. But in terms of where you look to, are there individuals inside or outside cycling that have kind of inspired you and, and maybe just one or two really because i think you've you've probably got so many influences oh, but it'd be good to hear one or two there's like, top two there's uh i'll give you one in cycling and one out of cycling um, okay brilliant, so brilliant. the one the one out of cycling is my uh old lecturer when i was at university so he uh he's a guy called layton uh layton reed uh, he for me uh, I first met him, and I think he took the piss out of me the first time I met him because I, I painted and I had like hands covered in paint. And, um, anyway, he he's a he's a, an older chap now, and someone who, when he studied architecture for being a black man in architecture, was not a thing. It was just it just wasn't a thing. Um, and, you know, he's now very much a good friend of mine and someone that I've worked with and also someone who taught me and is very much like a life mentor for yeah. everything. Uh, he's, he's seen a lot of shit, basically. Um, yeah. And he's an incredible role model uh, for people he teaches uh, as well as people he uh, used to teach as well. You know, he helped myself and a very large amount of... Uh, kids go through university. Um, he always had this point of making the class as diverse as possible because uh, uh, you can learn so much from different nationalities and different races. And that, that yeah. for me, when I was at university, was something that I think was um, absolutely priceless as a as a 
opportunity to be given and was, you know, and I'm very, very thankful for that. Um, That's brilliant. And then I guess in cycling, um, who do I really inspire? I'll tell you who, I, who really ticks, ticks the box for me. Is a is a is a young lad. He's a mate of mine called Tom. Right. So Tom, uh, he's diabetic, uh, pretty seriously diabetic as well, um, and he is probably one of the most determined young lads I've ever met. Um, Tom Kelsall. If you look him up on Instagram, you'll start to understand a bit of him. Uh, he's an absolute legend. But he gets diabetic. Um, and, you know, obviously, when you think about that kind of level, it's the amount of uh, received, like, I guess, like, continual, like, monitoring uh, of his, you know, his health and everything like that to yeah. allow him to go ride a bike. And he just does it. And he does it. And he's damn strong. Like That's incredible. That is so incredible. And, you, you know, I think... I don't know, I don't know, sometimes, right now, I just feel grateful, not just because I'm in vacation mode, but just because, like, you know, with everything that's going on, to be alive, to be healthy, to be living where I live, grateful, but I always feel like in life, wherever you are, like, there are always people that will be achieving more than you, but there will also be people that will be suffering more than you, so, you know, just set your level and be cool with that, and when you hear the story of someone like Tom, and I'll definitely check him out after, um, it just makes you, I guess, reflect and think, well, I don't necessarily have what he's got and you know need to just take what i've got and make the most of that really so that's brilliant so leighton and tom two people that you've got and you know on, on the subject of um kind of diversity and stuff i love i love kind of the way that you positioned it um and i just wondered because i can't live your life i'm not apart from the tash that i've got i think that's where it ends i've got no hair not by choice i just I don't, I don't have it um but you you're quite unique looking to me you know like i think with the grizzly beard and natasha you've got now and then the tats that you've got like how's it been for you like in your journey in cycling have you ever found that people have been less than warm and receptive to you because massively. of how you look or or, yeah, or not necessarily massively so really? um, so you know when i uh when i started cycling i was 120 kilos i was big you know i was a big guy um, and I got uh, quite a lot of shit for that, actually, for being a big guy. Um, and then, obviously, I've got you know, this I've got all these tattoos here. I've got tattoos yeah. on this arm. I've got tattoos on my legs. Um, the tattoos, uh, like a lot of the more old school sort of side of cycling, and it was the same in architecture as well. It was really like it was quite frowned upon, and it was quite seen as being a bit thug-like and. Mm. Uh, but to me like tattoos are a way of expressing creativity and they're also yeah. every single tattoo i have is associated to a loved one or a memory or is there's special reasons for every single part of them um, yeah. that's my way of kind of expressing some creativity um but yeah yeah i definitely used to witness it a lot uh when i was when i was bigger i used to get called shrek all the time which that's massively like used to jar me Hate the films. Yeah. Hate the films because of it. Uh, and uh, I think that now we're in a position where cycling is starting to become much, becoming much more accepting of, you know, different races, different uh, genders, different stereotypes, different people, and how we are all different. What is so good about cycling is that, you know, pretty much anyone can ride a bike. There's even yeah. you know, look at 
the kids at pace that who are kids that suffer with motor based disorders they still cycle they've still got bikes that allow them to ride so there's so yeah. many, what is so uh, you know so incredible about the sport of cycling is it is something that's pretty accessible to most people fundamentally mm-hmm. you need to buy a bike and a bike can be very expensive but as i said it can also be very cheap but yeah. once you've got that you sort of release a world of freedom to you it doesn't matter on your color your if you've got tattoos if you've got a stupid mustache and fluffy hair it doesn't, it doesn't matter like you should uh, embrace the opportunity and allow it to yeah. allow you to kind of understand so much more of the world that's amazing no thank you so much for that chris um now i unfortunately i think we're going to sort of run out of time and there, there are some other things that i'd like to chat about but being that I'm on vacation, being that I'm with the family, I'm wondering if you're happy if we pause um, and look to wrap up. Because what I'd love to do, if you time allows, is once you get back from all the amazing things that you're going to be doing on the 107 TDF ride, if we can get back together, carry on and talk about what happened. Like, let's do a debrief. How was it for you? How much money got raised? A few other things. Any Just suggestions? Sum it up, that come on. Sum it up of how it be already. Like, <laughs> <laughs> really hurt. It was amazing, but it was really hurt. But yeah, of course, yeah, hundred percent. I absolutely yeah. love that. Yeah, let's do that. And um, for anyone that doesn't know, follow Chris. Um, I think it starts on the 29th of August. 29th of August, next Saturday. That's mad. That's absolutely mad. And Come I think quickly, it's coming around very quick. I'm, I'm, I'm following it with interest, and I love that you've got the commute plan as well, so that people can see where you are and if they want to come out and support they can do that you've got to go at a certain pace i respect that so they can come and show love they can ride with you is that all right if they ride with yeah, you oh yeah i mean I've, I've i put it out there very openly that uh, anyone is more than welcome to join me on any day uh, bear in mind that i do have three rest days i think it's like the third the seventh and the 14th off the top of my head but like I'm more than if you go onto the link in my bio you can see the route and the live tracker and everything like that and then if you're not certain on what the, the specific date is like just drop me a message and I can double check but yeah like, people are more than welcome to join me but the the key bit that I always have to stress is that I've got to get to a hotel before checking or get to before, before so, taking the piss every day so so where you might not necessarily always leave people ride on a normal ride on this ride if you need to get somewhere, you're going to put the hammer down and you're done. You're yeah. gone. Yeah, exactly. All right. <laughs> well, there's a lot of congratulations coming through. Too many for me to mention everybody, but like, just want to say on behalf of everyone, fantastic effort. If anyone wants to check out um, how you can donate to Pace and the work they do with 107 kids, you can check that through Chris's bio and Instagram. Um, as I say, I'm on vacation. I'm about to go for dinner with the family on the you can hear the noise, but on the sort of uh, riverfront here where I am. Um, but yeah, we're going to resume Ride for Unity next Wednesday on Zwift. Um, we'll be with Chris in spirit. Um, and then thereafter, look out for actually this this Sunday, we've got a ride for Unity in Yorkshire, which uh, Steph is hosting. And then the following Sunday in California. So that's part of our Ride for Unity. I'm not in either of them at those days. I'm sorry. No, <laughs> no you're all right. You've got a pass. You've got a pass. But thanks so much for joining. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Chris, all the best. And we'll set up that debrief when you come back and you can talk and your legs are talking to you. Oh, mate, I'll look forward to it. All right, then. Have a great evening. All the best. Have a lovely dinner. Cheers, I will. Thanks, everyone. Take care. Bye.